This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's official. I am a liar. No, I'm not lying about liking the sound of my own voice. But last Friday, I recorded Scoop Podcast episode 143, saying it was the final episode I would record in the month of April. I lied. I am here on Monday night, the 30th of April, recording episode 144. I'm a liar. Yes, you can call me a liar. I sincerely apologize. Droogie's baseball schedule is about to kick into high gear. We just got clearance. We weren't supposed to have clearance for practice as soon as Tuesday, but we now have that clearance from our Little League Association. So my seven-year-old has a busy baseball schedule for the next three months. He is pumped. I am helping coach his team, which means I won't be in front of a microphone very often. I am still working the conventional TV schedule as much as I can, but in terms of carving out time to record these, that will be limited the next couple months, probably to one a week, depending on news. Maybe as we get closer to the NBA draft, other events, maybe two in a week, but who knows what the schedule will present as we get deeper into the week. I have enough material to record an episode here on Monday night, the 30th. So I said, hey, why not? I'll turn on the mic. I will record a fresh episode. We'll get to Twins Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey in just a second. I had a chance to catch up with him on Monday early afternoon at Target Field. First, some love for Indochino, Indochino.com online, where they have a showroom at the Mall of America on the first floor, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. They make fantastic men's suits. They use high-quality fabric. They customize the suit to your liking. There are so many things that go into the making of a suit. You can pick so many different things about your suit. You get it to your liking. They take care of you. And as a listener of this podcast, you enter in the promo code SCOOP, S-C-O-O-P, SCOOP, when you check out or after you get fitted at the Mall of America, when you pay, you have a chance to enter a promo code. So enter the promo code SCOOP for a $379 premium suit from Indochino. Any number of special events are coming up, special occasions. Heck, here in the Twin Cities on Monday, we hit 84 degrees with the weather turning. I'm sure you have some sort of special event, a graduation, a wedding, a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, you name it. Whatever that special event might be in the next couple months, guys, if you need a new suit, or maybe you don't need a new suit, but maybe you're now thinking about getting a new suit, consider Indochino. Again, Indochino, and online, it is Indochino.com. All right, we start with Twins boss Derek Falvey. The Twins are 9-14 and 14 through 23 games. The optics don't look good, but I guess when you consider that they had three games snowed out against Chicago, they won that Thursday game against the White Sox at Target Field. Hey, now no guarantees you win the remaining three in that series against Chicago, but maybe you would have. Imagine if you were 12 and 14 right now. The optics would look that much better, 12 and 14 compared to 9 and 14. I've also had, being over at the ballpark on Monday, some Twins folks suggest to me, look at the starting pitchers the Twins have faced so far this year. Look at the lineups. I mean, heck, four games against the Yankees, three against the Astros. Compare the starters they have faced and the lineups they have faced to everybody else in baseball. You will see that the Twins have had a really hard April. So there's still a lot of optimism, especially, what, three and a half games out of first in the division, five, five 
and a half games out of a wild card spot. It's not doom and gloom. By no means is anybody pushing the panic button. I can tell you if it makes you feel better that there is frustration about dropping a home series to the lowly Reds, especially coughing up the lead the way they did on Friday. There is definite frustration with the most immediate series, but overall, looking at the total body of work through 23 games, the Twins are not pushing the panic button. That is on the record and on background. It is far too early. We've not even hit the one-seventh point of the season. We will in a day or two, but we haven't even hit the one-seventh point, so there's no panic. That was what I started my conversation with Falvey about. Derek thoughts at the, what, 9-14 9-14 and 14 record, 23-game mark. I mean, heck, let me do the quick math. We are not even one-seventh of the season in. I mean, I guess in a day or two we will be, but it's incredibly early. No reason to hit the panic button. No question. I think that, you know, a baseball season is a marathon, not a sprint, and uh, we've gone through some tough times of late. You know, no one's going to argue that. The guys in the clubhouse are, uh, are certainly, I can tell they're optimistic. I can tell they're going to fight through this. Everyone's disappointed. You want to be playing better. We've played some tough teams. We've run into some tough stretches, but I'm confident this group's going to bounce back. What makes you so confident? I mean, the comeback would be, are you sure about the Reds? Are you sure about the Rays? I mean, yes, Yankees, but Reds and Rays, maybe not so much. Yeah, I I think that, you know, overall, when you look at the way our our schedule started, we knew April was going to be a bit of a tough month. And, you know, to get down in in Tampa and and face the likes of Chris Archer, Blake Snell, and others makes it tough. But I can tell you, our guys aren't making excuses. You know, we just know that we've got to play better baseball collectively, and we will. I'm confident in the overall talent of that group. I think we've seen some guys play a little bit less than what they, they would expect of themselves. They'd be the first to tell you that. But uh, you know, when we get Byron back fully healthy and we get some other pieces clicking, warm weather's coming, we're going to have a good season here. And, you know, I mean, you look at how many postponements. I mean, you're finally getting into a groove. Like, finally, nine or ten straight days of, of games. I have to imagine, you're not making excuses, but I have to imagine all those days off, that has to mess with, with your team just a little bit. You know, it's a little difficult, no question. you got to work through trying to get into a routine. We went down to Puerto Rico and had you know, a couple of off days around that that add in. So I think our guys want to be in a, in a rhythm and a routine now, and you can sense that feeling in the clubhouse. Like we've seen some signs of breaking out of this you know, that haven't necessarily gone our way. Kyle Gibson's last start was tremendous for us. Jake had a nice start the other day. So we'll be in a good spot here as, as we start getting rolling. You have gotten some good starts. You also... Out of 11, what is it, 23 games of the 11, guys haven't gotten through the fifth inning. Like, there's a track record. I mean, Lance can do it. Barrios can do it. I mean, does that surprise you as much as anything that 11 of 23 that that you haven't got the starter through five? It does. Paul and I have talked about that. I think last year we went through a stretch like that a bit at the beginning of the year. Uh, We feel we're deeper this year. We feel like, like you've said, guys like Lance and Jake Odorizzi, Jose Barrios, what he has done this year, Kyle Gibson, you know, we can lean on those guys. You know, we're going to have, I'm confident better days are ahead for the collective of that group. And uh, hopefully it starts tonight with Lance. Better days ahead too for the offense. I mean, I don't know where you guys are right now and run scored, but I know it's toward the bottom. No question. I, I think that you have guys like Brian Dozier and Joe Maurer up top that have had some uh, good starts and then cooled off a bit. But you know, to have guys, Miguel and others, start to really impact the baseball in the middle of the lineup, we see Logan breaking out of it a bit over the last few days and, and getting into a rhythm. Uh, I'm confident in our offense. We felt last year where we finished somewhere in our minds in the top you know, five to seven offenses, we thought this would be one that, that takes another step forward. And I still believe that by the end of year's end, we're going to have taken that step forward. You mentioned Miguel. What's the update on Miguel? So Miguel continues to progress, a little tightness you know, in that, that hamstring area. Uh, we'll get a look at him here during BP and, and some running drills and, and just get a sense for where he is. I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I want to make sure that you know, we assess him medically to make sure he's good for the long term. When you say hopeful, I mean maybe as soon as Tuesday? I think we would hope, but uh, you know, ultimately that's going to come down to how he does in his workout today and some of the, some of the movements that we see. Uh, if that doesn't go well, we'll have to reassess the plan. 
How about Byron? Uh, Byron's at a point where, you know, just one of those, another part of the difficult start. You know, he has migraine headaches, uh, something that's disappointing. He goes down, he's about to get ready to get started and go on a roll, fouls the ball off his toe, you know, and, and ends up with that injury. So right now we're managing the, the swelling and the pain. Once he gets to a point where he's past that, I'm confident we're going to see him try and push through and we're going to have to put the reins on him. I'll continue the injury theme. Irvin, I mean, we talk about the rotation. At some point, Irvin's going to help you guys. Yeah, I'm excited about when you think about you know Byron coming back, but then Irvin and Trevor May and others, you know, being a part of this uh, this here soon. Irvin's about to throw off a mound tomorrow. You know, fully get his, his work in to get to a point where he's feeling like he's a, a piece of this. And and once we get him on the mound and get him moving toward hitters, we feel like he's going to be uh, short on the come. I mean, I would assume once he gets back on the mound. I mean, with his history, I would think it's. What, days? Maybe weeks, but, but not that far once he gets back on the mound? Yeah, I think more weeks, you know, certainly than days at this level. But I would say that I know Irvin. I know he's chomping at the bit to get out there and face hitters. So as soon as we think it's, it's the right time to do it medically and safely, uh, we'll push him through that program, and I, I'm hoping to see him here soon. Same with Trevor May. Hope to see him here soon. Yep, Trevor May has a, a little, maybe a little bit ahead. Has faced hitters, pitched in an extended spring training game, so he's now advancing to the point where we'll see him out on a rehab assignment here soon with the minor league clubs. Uh, and ultimately, once he gets back to that, he'll be a mix for us, whether it's in the rotation or the pen. As you assess the landscape of the American League, anything anything surprised you so far? Uh, you know, I, I think that there have been some great performances across Major League Baseball right now, some of the American League, uh, some probably that haven't gone as well as expected, us being one of those. But you know, ultimately, I looked back at the end of April last year and you know where teams were, and then the end of May, there's a lot of season left. So uh, as you mentioned right at the outset, the you know, number of games we played, which I think still is the lowest in Major League Baseball right now, we've got a lot of games ahead of us to make up some ground. I mean, I'm trying to think where you guys were at the end of April last year. Yeah, I think we were in an okay spot, you know, certainly. I think Cleveland hadn't quite hit their stride at that point. Uh, so we were kind of banging, you know, right in there with them. I think if you look at the AL Central as a whole, it's still relatively close. So there's a lot of time left, you know, within our division and ultimately, you know, for all the playoff spots. What I was getting at there with Derek is at the end of April last year, it's not like the Twins were running away with anything. They were just playing okay baseball. And now the comeback is you look at the Red Sox, you look at the Yankees, the team that's here this week, the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are capable, but certainly the Red Sox and the Yankees you know will be there come September. Then you think about the Indians, right? I mean, the Indians will figure things out eventually. You would think, I mean, enough of those guys – have track records. Then you think about the American League West, the Astros with the way Cole is pitching with Verlander. You know the Astros are going to the playoffs barring some sort of catastrophe. Then the Angels are good, and the Mariners are playing good baseball. So while the Rangers are a non-factor, Oakland treading water, and okay, the Tigers, the White Sox, and the Royals maybe are non-factors, the Rays and the Orioles as well. The landscape in the American League is uber competitive now the comeback to that is the twins still have what about 60 games remaining against the tigers the white Sox, and the royals the bottom feeders in the american league it will be interesting but certainly at 9 and 14 being over at target field on monday afternoon even on background talking to people away from the camera away from the microphone there really isn't a reason to be panicking this early in the season. One more counterpoint as I attempt to monologue here. This is where dialogue would be helpful. Maybe I need to find a co-host for my podcast. Is There's a belief that 85 wins won't be good enough this year. So 85 wins got the Twins that second wild card last year. 85 wins isn't getting you a playoff spot this year. That's how much better the American League is. So for the Twins to make the playoffs, they better find a way to get to what? 88, 89, maybe even 90 wins. Unfortunately, I talked to Derek 
around 3 o'clock. Paul Molitor made the announcement. It's on me. It didn't dawn on me to ask Derek about Phil Hughes and Fernando Romero. But then Paul Molitor, being in his office at 410, announced to a few of us that Fernando Romero is coming up. The Twins will have to add him to the 25-man roster. He'll come up. He's already on the 40-man. The Twins will have him start on Wednesday against Toronto. And Phil Hughes is moving to the bullpen. Romero in 21 innings at AAA Rochester this year has 20 strikeouts, 10 walks. So control is a bit of an issue. His ERA is 2.57. He is considered the Twins' top pitching prospect. Yes, above Steven Gonsalves, who's another name you should know because presumably Gonsalves will help the Twins' rotation at some point, maybe even as soon as later this season. One other Twins note, David Hale, Cleared waivers, then elected free agency. The Twins used him. They claimed him off waivers from the Yankees late last week. Used him in one game. When? On Friday. Then the Twins let him go. He chose free agency. He went back and forth. I'm told he went back and forth, came close to rejoining the Twins organization, but is going back to the Yankees organization. The Yankees will use him in the minors as a starter. Plus, he's familiar with all the coaches there, really likes the Yankees organization, but he also likes the Twins organization. I'm told just because the Twins used him in the one appearance on Friday, then made the move, there were no hard feelings. That's part of the business. He thought long and hard about rejoining the Twins, but ultimately chooses to go back to the Yankees. No reason to go fancy swoosh. We'll just go boom, boom, boom to the Vikings we go to reiterate what I said in Scoop Podcast episode 143 last Friday. Frank Ragnow was the Vikings guy, but the Vikings also fully realized by Friday late afternoon that there was zero chance that he would get the pick 30. Ultimately, Ragnow went pick 20 to the Lions, but just know that the Vikings think the world of Ragnow. They were so badly hoping they could secure his services and have him start day one at right guard. In addition, Vikings-wise, I can pass along. Terrence Newman is back. He re-signed with the Vikings on Monday. The Vikings announced that. Nobody had that scoop. I can tell you when the money comes out, he'll be making less money. Remember what I've talked about in previous scoop podcasts. The Vikings were open to having Newman back, but he had to take a pay cut. Last year, Newman made $3.2 million. So look for the money when it comes out in the next 24 to 48 hours to be less than $3.2 million dollars, but I also know the Vikings are happy to have Newman back, especially after taking a cornerback in the first round, a cornerback with maybe some character red flags and Mike Hughes. Newman can mentor Mike Hughes. The Vikings also, as expected, something we've talked about in recent Scoop podcasts, exercised the fifth-year option on Trey Waynes' contract, so he's under team control in 2019 at just over $9 million. The Vikings did officially announce their 17 member class, undrafted free agent class. I had a couple of the scoops on Saturday night, Jake Wenicky and others. I hope you follow me. Shameless plug for the Twitter account, DWolfson, KSTP, DWolfson, KSTP. Next up for the Vikings, continuing to try and sign Daniel Hunter, Anthony Barr, and Stefan Diggs to long-term deals. All right, let's get to high school football. We'll have the news on late Tuesday night of Quinn Carroll, Edina Jr. offensive lineman, committing somewhere. As I've talked about on recent Scoop podcasts, the expectation is it won't be the Gophers, even though he spent a ton of time around P.J. Fleck and the program. I am told he thinks the world of Fleck. He loves the Gophers, but he also loves Notre Dame. So the betting favorite is Notre Dame heading into Carroll's announcement on Tuesday. The other local gem in the class of 2019, high school football-wise in the Metro, is 
Well, there's a few. There's Jason Williamson from Owatonna. He's a Gophers commit. There's Cole Kramer from Eden Prairie, the quarterback. He's a Gophers commit. But the other real gem is Bryce Benhart, right tackle, but he can play left tackle as well, from Lakeville North. He's not a young man of many words. Heck, he's still maturing. He's still a kid. He's still a teenager. But I was over at Lakeville North the other day catching up with Benhart to see where things stand on his recruiting front. So here's my conversation with Lakeville North junior offensive lineman, Bryce Benhart. Bryce, just based on your Twitter account, I mean, every time I see a tweet, it's this offer, this offer, that offer. I mean, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, I'm losing track. Are you able to keep track of of all the offers that are coming in? Yeah, yeah, we are. Me and my dad are, we're keeping tight and we're controlling it really well right now. Is it overwhelming at all or are you enjoying the process? Oh, no, it's a fun process. It's a fun process. What makes it fun? You know, just going to see different schools that I want to go see and, you know, meeting all the new coaches and see the old linemen too, see all those new players. Do you have some sort of timeline for, for when you might make a decision? Uh, right now I have a decision by making it by summertime before, before my senior year and before football starts. I mean, is the idea that, that once football starts in, in early to mid-August, you just want to focus on, on Lakeville North and not have to worry about this yeah. process anymore? Yeah. So I just, yeah, so I can just be done with the recruiting, stay committed to that college, and then just be done with uh, recruiting. Will you put out any sort of, you know, final five list or anything like that in the near future? Uh, no, I don't plan on doing any of that. No. All right, I'm not going to ask you about every school, but but just a few. I mean, what stands out, for example, about the Wisconsin Badgers? I mean, the line coach, and then. They're just they're how they've done in the past few years, and especially what they've made out out of old linemen. Yeah, I mean, I would think you you take note of that. I mean, you think about all the NFL offensive linemen Wisconsin has produced. It's it's a really impressive list. No, yeah, it's crazy. Joe Thomas, ten thousand career snaps, and I haven't missed one since this last year. But yeah, it's it's crazy. Is UCLA on that list? No, I haven't talked to him recently. Because their old line coach went to went to the NFL as a old line coach. That's right. He used to work for the Vikings, right, Hank Fraley. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's now okay. So that changed things, and yeah, they bring in the new coach, Chip Kelly. So yeah, I mean that changed. I mean, so so who's talking to you the most? I mean, are we talking Wisconsin, Minnesota, and a few others? Yeah, that's that's really it right there. Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, Tennessee, Oklahoma State. Yeah. Is it Chris Winkie that, that is recruiting you for Tennessee? Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. Do you like him? Yeah, he's a great dude. Great dude. Yeah. I mean, do you know about his, his Minnesota background, his Minnesota pedigree? Yeah, yeah his parents live what, 10 minutes away from us, I think. And then he was from Creighton. He played quarterback at Creighton. He played baseball, too. And what about the Gophers? What, what stands out about the Gophers? Gophers is just their whole new coaching staff. They're all that culture that they're putting in, all the good people they're bringing in, too. Have you been over to the Athletes' Village, the, the new Athletes' Village? Yeah, yes, I, yeah, I have. It's, it's amazing. It's different from everything else. And do you have a connection with P.J. Fleck and, and the assistant coaches? Yeah, there's a little connection there, yeah. We're still, we're still going along with it, yeah. I mean, is it, is it to the point, I mean, is it like an open recruiting time right now? Like are coaches coming in right now to, to see it pretty regularly? Yeah, there's coaches that have been, a few have been in this week, and then last week a few, a few came in, just starting up right now. Who's been in this week? 
uh, Iowa State came in this week just to say what's up. And then, yeah. I mean, do you like that, or does that become overwhelming when you know, you're just trying to be like a normal student? I mean, you have enough going on academically as, as a junior in high school, and you get all these coaches just drop up by the school to say, hey, what's up? Yeah, it's, you know, picking me out of class and see me. But, I mean, yeah, it's cool to see them since I haven't seen them in a while and everything. Where do you hope to get better? I mean, you're still improving as an offensive lineman. Where do you want to get better? Um, where I need to get better is getting off the ball faster, staying a little bit lower because I'm just my height. Um, just being more explosive, too. Everyone can be working on explosiveness, but that's what I would really focus on. Are these schools recruiting you as, as solely a left tackle at, at the collegiate level, or, or do they look at you and say, well, maybe you can play some right tackle, too, or some other position? All I've been told, I'll be playing some tackle. I don't know what side, but tackles look good right now. Have you worked at right tackle, or are you pretty much just a left tackle? No, I've been playing right tackle here since my sophomore year. Because of, because of Napo? No, he's been interior lineman just because when I got up here, they needed a right tackle, so I've just been playing right tackle. So is actually is right tackle the position maybe you're, you're most comfortable at? doesn't matter what side I'll play. I'll play either side. doesn't matter. Speaking of, of Bo, has, has he been trying to recruit you to say, hey, we, we need to be teammates at Minnesota? I mean, yeah, he's, we've been talking a lot, but he loves it up there, I've heard. He, he's, all about, he's all about that Minnesota stuff. Take us through the next you know, handful of weeks, months. I mean, I know you're doing some, some training with, with a local guy that's, that's not here at Lakeville North. Take us through what the next couple months will look like. I mean, the next couple months are just me school and then go work out. That's, that's really it. <laughs> I mean, are you trying to, to get stronger? I mean, what, what, are, what are some focuses in, in the weight room? I mean, my focuses are going to be mostly just the explosiveness, and then there's going to be some – there's a lot of footwork in there, a lot of running, a lot of like running and conditioning, and then lifting too, getting stronger. You can always get stronger and faster. How many offers are you up to? 13. Can you just rattle them off like top of your head? Um, I'll try. So there's Minnesota, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Duke, um, Tennessee, Oregon. I think that's it. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot to remember, but... Yeah, yeah I mean, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, there just there are so many offers. I just yeah. you know you have to wonder if if it's overwhelming. But but you feel like you have the right support system in place. Oh yeah, my dad. He's me and him been we've been always been talking about this, and he he's gone through the process a little bit, but different completely now. But yeah, where did he play at? He played at uh, Western Illinois. Okay, so he's at least got some background. And yeah. how about the the coaching staff here? I mean. You know, they've they've produced some Division One athletes before, so I would think you can lean on them as well. Yeah, Vossen, Vossen, as much as he loves it, he, he's going through it. He's taking it pretty well right now. So, again, so just to make sure I have it right, so you're thinking like what, like June, July-ish to, to make a decision? Um, summer, somewhere in the uh, off season during the summer. So I don't know what that date is yet, but somewhere during the season, or I mean off season. So figure, let the school year play out. You want to finish your school year. You know, I'm sure you got whatever going on. I don't know if you guys have had prom, whatever. I mean, you got a personal life to worry yeah, about yeah, exactly. and academics and then maybe start thinking about where to commit, like mid to late June. Yeah, summer, June, July, somewhere in there. So we'll see what happens. Who else? I mean, 
Like Iowa State, what what stands out about Iowa State? I mean, their coaching staff too. They're all good guys. They've changed the program around at Toledo, and they just changed that whole thing around. I mean, there's a lot of good guys. I mean, like, how do you differentiate? I mean, you're meeting all these coaches. There's a lot of good guys, and and they do a good job of selling their university. How do you differentiate? It's it's hard. It's really hard to what we have to do. But me and my dad, we have our own list at our house, and we go through it. What we like about what we don't like about it. Who like? Do you like the alignment? Do you like the coaches? Do you like this coach? Do you like that coach? What do you like about it? What do you don't like about it? So me, and my dad, and my parents go over it a lot. I'll leave you with this: Is is there any NFL offensive lineman that you look at and say, you know, I try to mirror that guy's skill set? I mean, yeah, Joe Thomas, obviously, just because he hasn't missed a step in what ten thousand, ten thousand game or whatever it was, ten thousand snaps. So, yeah. And he just retired. I mean, but, yeah, I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, so why not be like Joe Thomas? Yeah, exactly. Soft-spoken, but a machine on the field. He plays right tackle currently for Lakeville North, but he has position flexibility, position versatility, so he can play left tackle. He is Bryce Benhart, one of the best players in the state of Minnesota, regardless of class, but he's in the class of 2019. Keeping the high school theme going here on Scoop Podcast episode 144, there's a pitcher from Rosemount High School, Aiden Maldonado. He pitched against Lakeville North on Monday. A number of Major League scouts were there. He can hit 92 miles per hour on the radar gun. He is an Illinois commit. Gophers men's basketball, Richard Patino getting around to offering a couple more local players from the D1 Minnesota AAU team, Dawson Garcia from Prior Lake High School, and Ben Carlson from East Ridge High School, both guys in the class of 2020. So both guys are currently sophomores. Carlson also has offers from Nebraska, and Stanford Garcia also has offers from, among others, Texas, Xavier, and Butler. That means now that Patino has local offers out too. Carlson Garcia and Jalen Suggs from the class of 2020. Then from the class of 2019, Tyler Wall of Lakeville North. He just got one from the Gophers the other day. Also got a Badgers offer. Zeke Naji of Hopkins, Tyrell Terry of DeLaSalle, and Matthew Hurt of Rochester, John Marshall. So that is what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven local players with offers. And I know there's a kid from Park Center that I've heard a lot about. A big man. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Dane Danja? D-A-I-N-J-A. First name D-A-I-N. Dane Danja. I will have to track down the exact pronunciation but he is also in the class of 2020 from Park Center. And I know his side is hoping that the Gophers offer soon. I know his side took notice of the Carlson and Garcia offers, wondering when his Minnesota offer might be coming. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Also on Gophers men's hoops, Franco Miller Jr., a 2018 guard from the Bahamas, will visit on Wednesday. Then after he visits here, he will visit Oklahoma, so we'll have to wait and see if the Buddy Heald influence works in Norman, but the Gophers in the mix to add another guard for next year's squad. They also are talking to Brock Stoll, the grad transfer from Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and Marcus Carr, the transfer from Pittsburgh. He would have to sit out a year. So we'll wait and see with the two openings if Richard Patino uses both 
or maybe saves one for the 2019 class, but he still has two scholarships to play with for next year's squad. He absolutely will use one on a guard that can help immediately. He has the kid from Vanderbilt already committed, the transfer Willis, who has to sit out a year, Peyton Willis. So I do know that Patino is looking to add somebody to help Isaiah Washington for next year's squad. Briefly on the Wild, I am a broken record. Paul Fenton wants the Wild general manager job. And he remains the betting favorite, the Nashville assistant general manager, to take over for Chuck Fletcher. I'll finish with the Wolves. I've had three people reach out to me to express frustration that Jimmy Butler flew from Houston after Wednesday night's loss. They hopped on an airplane Thursday. And he didn't fly back to the Twin Cities. He went directly to Los Angeles. Now, clearly, Jimmy got permission from the boss, from the person he's closest with, Tom Thibodeau. But I had three people. This was not me seeking out the information. I had three people reach out to me to express disappointment that Jimmy did not fly back with the team to the Twin Cities. So now we're wondering, are there Jimmy Butler rules? Maybe there should be. That's what happens when you're a top 10, top 15 player in the league. Certainly top 10 to top 15 as a two-way guy. You are the best player currently on the team. So I get it. I mean, heck, not everybody gets treated equally. So if Jimmy wanted to go from Houston to Los Angeles, so be it. I haven't even dug on it because I really don't think it's that big of a deal. But hey, the purpose of this podcast is to pass along everything that I hear that is sent my way. Not only things that I pursue, but things that are sent my way. For all we know, Jimmy had a doctor's visit on Thursday or Friday to get his knee checked out. So I haven't dug enough because I don't care enough, but I can tell you there are some people, so maybe the Wolves should explain to those people that are upset, hey, Jimmy didn't fly back with the team because he had a doctor's visit or he had this commitment or that commitment. But I can just tell you there are some people scratching their heads wondering why Jimmy did not fly directly back to the Twin Cities with the team on Thursday afternoon. Tibbs told us on Monday that he'll wait another couple weeks to conduct exit interviews. I had somebody close to one of the players laugh at me saying best of luck. Now I actually think via FaceTime, Skype, whatever it might be, Tibbs can get these guys on a video conference and do one-on-one exit interviews. But I do know some people close to some of these players are wondering why the exit interviews weren't done immediately after the season. Now, in Tibbs' defense, he says he did this in Chicago, so this is not new when it comes to how Tom Thibodeau has conducted exit interviews. On Scott Layden, the general manager, he said on Monday that he regrets not being more aggressive at the trade deadline. He did not provide any examples. From my reporting, I just wonder. I don't know this to be what he is referring to, but I can tell you for a fact the Wolves had brief dialogue with the Atlanta Hawks. They really didn't pursue a trade for Marco Bellinelli, and Atlanta didn't ultimately find a trade partner for Bellinelli. They buy him out. Bellinelli signs with the Philadelphia 76ers, and he's been very good this postseason. So I wonder, this is just me speculating now, the fact is the Wolves talked to the Hawks but really didn't pursue a deal for Bellinelli. Is that what Layden is talking about, that maybe he should have been more aggressive in pursuing Bellinelli? Or I know for a fact there were some teams that reached out to the Wolves in different capacities, phone, text, whatever, and never heard back. So as Layden looks back at how he handled, how the front office handled the trade deadline, did they not get back to teams when they should have gotten back to teams? You never know what the conversation can get to, right? I mean, heck, talk to other teams' general managers, assistant general managers, scouting directors. You never know what a conversation 
could lead to. But I do know there were some teams that reached out to the Wolves, not just Layden. Other people with the Wolves reached out to Wolves folks and never heard back. Otherwise, I don't know what Scott Layden is referring to when he says, hey, it's on me that I should have been more aggressive. I will say this much, though. It was refreshing to hear one of those guys, Layden and Tibbs, accept some responsibility, accept some blame, saying, hey, I bleeped up. I could have done this better, that better. So from that standpoint, I appreciate Scott's honesty. All right, that does it for Scoop Podcast episode 144. It was recorded on Monday night, the 30th of April. I will be back as my schedule allows, but the schedule gets real busy with Droogies baseball. Nothing is better than coaching your young one in whatever the sport that they are most passionate about. For my older son, it happens to be baseball. So I'll bring you Scoop Podcast episodes as often as I can, but no guarantees. It'll be multiple times a week. Heck, hopefully I can guarantee that I'll bring one to you once a week, but that may even be a stretch some weeks. But hey, I do know here the week of April 30th, I brought you a new episode. So I feel good about doing this on Monday because I'm hoping that you enjoy these episodes. So thank you so much if you stayed with the podcast this long. If you're still listening. God love you. Thank you so much.